Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing, der Bundesliga-Podcast. I'm your host Manuel Feit and joining me is Stefan Bienkowski. Stefan, how's it going? Yes, very, very well. Uh, a little stressed out because uh, I'm getting married in about five days. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have to travel across the length of the country uh, tonight before I can even prepare for that. So trying to squeeze in this podcast, but I'm sure listeners will appreciate if it's not really top of my priorities at the moment. <laughs> well, you, also, you're getting married like the day after deadline day? Yes, exactly. It's ambitious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing if not efficient. Just making sure, you know, not waste, wasting a moment. I mean, you, I'm pretty sure this was uh, this, this wedding was scheduled before you joined Transfermarkt, right? <laughs> yes, it was. Okay, well, so, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case my fiance is listening, it has been planned for quite some time. Yeah, um, because like people who don't know, uh, if you work for Transfermarkt, deadline day is the busiest, craziest day in the office. It's absolutely mental. I get up at four o'clock in the morning and I work till about seven or eight. Hmm. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and then I take the second off because nothing happens, which is yeah. great. So I guess maybe it's actually pretty smart what you did. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm getting married then. We're going on a nice honeymoon for about a week and a half, I think. So the perfect break from a crazy summer window. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um anyways so this week we're going to do listener questions because you know we got a ton of them really appreciate them um usually we do them on the substack but we already have a topic for the substack um this week and we're going to discuss our best 11s that we we put together last week on on that one so please sign up on the gig pressing newsletter um so you're getting this one for free i guess um, unless you're listening on on via the the newsletter then you're getting this ad free so free and ad free um for those who are not listening on the newsletter well you get to get to list keep listening after this break this episode of the gig pressing podcast is brought to you at bet online bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wage on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines find reviews and news for every league including major league baseball NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today, or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that is B-L-E-A-V-5-0, BELIEVE50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on our first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. So yeah, Stefan, um, listener questions. 
I guess the way we're going to do it this week is that we're going to go through the main games and um, because we got a ton of questions regarding this match day. So we're going to kind of do our regular match day review, mm-hmm. but we're going to use listener questions to break it all down. Sounds about, sounds about right, right? Yeah, best way to do it. Yeah. So <laughs> I have to start with this one at the very top. People want to know, Stefan, were you trolling? <laughs> when I said that Gladbach played well against uh, against Bayern Munich, um, no, I really wasn't trolling. Uh, I understand when when people say when they you know when they say um, they didn't agree with that and that Gladbach didn't play well, but you know I did mm. catch the game and then I watched it back actually this morning in, in full uh, because my newsletter this week is on Gladbach. And how impressive I think they've been this season, mm-hmm. or already this season, and um, yeah, do you know I still kind of feel like, as silly as it sounds, because obviously Jan Sommer like broke a record for the amount of saves he made in a single game, and the fact that Gladbach, you know, probably only had like three shots on target or something, um, I still feel like this is kind of one of those examples where. People will see the XG number for Bayern, which was four point six nine. They'll Jesus. see they'll see that Jan Sommer, um, you know, made like what nineteen saves, I think it yeah. was. Although some of those, we get to that anyways. But yeah. I found a lot of those were just right on him. Well, here's the thing, right? I think this is quite. This is where the con- This is where like facts are obviously important, but the context of those facts are also important. So, Bayern racked up a four point six nine. XG, which if anyone who's not into uh, these kind of analytics, mm. it basically is a it's a numerical var- value to suggest how many goals Bayern should have scored. So they probably should have scored between four and five goals. Yeah. Difference is that that's spread out over 31 efforts on goal over the course of the game, right? Mm. Which means if you average that down, it breaks down to about 0.15 XG per chance, which as I made a, as I point out in my newsletter, is like the equivalent of someone hitting a shot from about thirty or forty yards out. Um, and actually, if you kind of look at the the actual chances that were created, there's maybe only two or three, possibly four, real standout chances in that game um, that Jan Sommer really had to kind of break his neck to save. The vast majority of them were right at him. Um, even some of the really good kind of chances, you know, that Sadio Mane one in the back post hit it right at Sommer. Mm. So, you know, when people say Gladbach were lucky in that game, I'm not entirely sure I agree with that because I, I just don't think luck really comes into it. It's just a case of Bayern not creating good enough chances. Um, and when they did get into positions to score, they didn't finish them. That's not, that's got nothing to do with Bayern. That's just, that's got nothing to do with Gladbach. Sorry. That's got to do with uh, Bayern and, as I kind of point out in my newsletter this week, when I look at Gladbach and how how much they've improved defensively, um, a lot of that's down to kind of the system that Gladbach played, the tactics they played. They've been very good defensively this season leading up to this game. Um, and like my only other final point I'd make here is that I think this is also kind of a weird way that we do kind of take in football. If, say, um, say a team had a fantastic striker, they're a pretty average team, that striker scores a goal and he saves them from defeat. People don't turn around and say, 
Although that team are super lucky. They're just so lucky they had that striker. They're so lucky. They'll just say, well, that's the way that team play. They've got a great striker. That's how it is. When you flip that round and say a goalkeeper, and, and a goalkeeper is the one who's making these performances, people just assume it's luck. They don't ever, they don't ever bake into the idea that maybe Gladbach's tactics are reliant on having a goalkeeper yeah. like Jan Sommer, who, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about in a minute, but I think as he proved on his day, he can be one of the best in the Bundesliga. He was certainly much better than Manuel Neuer on Saturday, who I thought had an, another howler, uh, which is a growing concern for Bayern, I think, uh, this season. But So yeah, I was not trying to troll anyone. Um, maybe I could have worded it better, but I still believe that um, if Bayern deserved to win that game, they would have won that game. Yeah, I, I agree. Um but that leads us to the next question, and I have an opinion about this. Um, would Bayern buy Jan Sommer if Neuer were to retire? Say he gets a freak injury in the World Cup, what, what would Bayern do? Ulreich, Nobel, <coughs> buy someone else. Would Jan Sommer fit at Bayern? Um, this is a question that's going to probably come up on, on Wednesday as well, right? Where we do... Um, our midweek part for the newsletter because a lot of people ask us why we didn't include Jan Sommer. So I'll give you a little bit of a prelude because Jan Sommer has two world-class performances, sometimes three if they play in the cup <laughs> against Bayern Munich every season. And he's a good goalkeeper in the Bundesliga otherwise. I am not suggesting by any means that he's not a great goalkeeper or a good goalkeeper, but he's not world-class. Um, and he just, for some reason, he just really enjoys playing against Bayern Munich. Mm. We see this every single season. And maybe it's because the way they, they're set up, maybe he just rises to the occasion, maybe the, the defensive system. And I think this is this is the point with, that you raised with the XG, right? Um, the XG's accumulation in this game of many smaller chances being added up to, to have a really high XG. Um, so I actually think, no, Jan Sommer wouldn't be the one for me that Bayern would go for. I think that the, the one Bayern have in the system is Alexander Nübel, and they're, they're currently working on um, extending his contract and keeping him in Monaco as long as possible and then eventually have him replace Manuel Neuer. I think that's that's the one they're grooming for this role. That's my opinion anyways. Mm. Well, <laughs> someone might want to tell Alexander Nübel that because he seems pretty pissed off at not being a starter at Bayern. His agent has come out and yeah. basically said they were misconstrued as to when he signed for the club that he would mm. already he'd be in a he'd be in a starting position far sooner than he is. And I can understand his point of view. Um, Neuer, obviously, this is the this is the kind of thing with Neuer. He obviously goes through ebbs and flows, and it seems as though whenever he does seem to be looking his age, he's beginning to kind of look like he's over the hill. He kind of turns things around and has outstanding seasons. I thought he was really, really impressive, um, you know, last season. Uh, not last season, the season before last, rather. Mm. Um, and But so far this season, he's looked slow. He's looked cumbersome. He's looked error-prone. Um, but if Bayern do, as you said, if they are going to replace him anytime soon, Alexander Nubel's as good a goalkeeper as probably any of the options in the Bundesliga. Yeah, and he's playing regularly in Monaco. So... Uh, the next question I kind of answered, does Jan Sommer only show up during Bayern games, especially away, or is he actually the most talented goalkeeper next to Neuer in the Bundesliga? Should Bayern sign him in 2025? This is from Tittlehamster. Uh, no. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> I think that, uh, you know, again, it's going to be Nübel or maybe someone else. But yeah, I'm sorry, but I just don't see it that way. Um, this is going to be contentious, Stefan. Was the officiating in the Bayern game as bad as all of us Bayern fans, players and coaches think it was against Gladbach? I think it was just very inconsistent on both sides. Yeah, I must admit, I didn't really see any issues. I, I didn't come away from watching that game now twice thinking, um, you know, Gladbach really got away with one there in terms of the officiating. Uh, I, one thing I did pick up on was that Joshua Kimmich was increasingly irate throughout the match, um, as he seems to do more and more often, actually, I think, as a player. He's talked about this in the past, about how his emotions sometimes get the better of him. But yeah. I just thought it's it was very typical of what happens when you have one team hemmed in and when they do break, the forwards are obviously trying to hold the ball up and they'll go down for whatever they can get. But in terms of the, for example, in terms of Sadio Mane's first offside goal, I thought that was a great shout because at first I thought that's not offside at all. But then when you look at the replay, you realize it's a good shout. So I didn't come away from that game thinking Bayern were robbed of anything, to be honest with you. And Chris Williams actually did break that offside call down on on Twitter because he was asked and um, because some people still have their doubts whether he was onside or offside. And Chris Williams um, in on Twitter being asked shows why Sadio Mane was quite clearly offside or why the goal was quite clearly offside. So mm. there's that. Um, so yeah, no, didn't think so. Uh, I mean, overall... Great result for Gladbach. 1-1. Um, could have maybe come away with all three points. Um, on a day where Liverpool smashed Bournemouth 9-0 and City come from behind 2-0 and win 4-2, the Bundesliga is showing that it's maybe more competitive than people think. Right, Stefan? Yeah. Um, and I kind of made this point as well on Twitter before deleting the tweets. I figured it didn't really... I hadn't worded it properly. I didn't want to give a false impression, but... You know, Gladbach have built a really decent defensive structure, and it just goes to show if you if you show up at the Allianz Arena with the intention of actually frustrating Bayern instead of just blindly playing gegging pressing, which a lot of clubs do uh, against Bayern, they, they just they just kind of accept they're not going to win any game, they're not going to pick up any points, they're not going to they're not going to compete, they're just going to go through the motions. Um, yeah. But Gladbach proved if you if you go there with a game plan. And good enough players, which is obviously very important because Gladbach at the end of the day still do have very good players throughout that team. Um, you can frustrate Bayern. Yeah. And I think the next team to probably frustrate Bayern will be the one they're playing next week, um, Union Berlin. So, you know, I mean, they smashed, absolutely smashed Schalke, Stefan, 6 1. Um, early shout of being already the story of the Bundesliga season, perhaps. Hmm. And um, not surprising, we had a question about them um, come in. Um, Union Berlin, Freiburg and Hoffenheim are in the top four. Which of these three have the best chance of being there at the end of the season? This is by Andy Johnson. Hmm. It's Union. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. Um, they have actually managed to make a ton of money on selling players and still being better than they were last year. And we yeah. see it every single match day. That side is, is hugely improved. And I, I I do think that... I don't think they will finish in the top four, but I think mm. they have a chance of finishing in the top four. Yeah. I think 
Yeah, you know, I've, I kind of went into that match day thinking Schalke have looked pretty decent. They looked pretty dogged. And, mm. you know, I must admit some of Union Berlin's goals were quite fortunate, you know, deflections and the like. But there's no doubting that the performance was just incredible. And it, it, I, I kind of joked that, you know, finally their time had come and that and that Union were going to finish second. Um but I don't know. I guess we just have to kind of wait and see how they get on. They have had a decent start, obviously. I mean, don't get me wrong. Beating Leipzig last weekend was a huge result for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was against the Leipzig side. They've only really just kind of got back on their feet. Opening two games against Hertha and Mainz weren't too bad. And then, of course, they play another promoted side in Schalke, who they kind of pull apart. So, you know, it'll be really interesting to see what they can do against Bayern, whether it will be you know, a dogged performance like we saw against Gladbach, will they be able to kind of alter the tactics to yeah. really have a go at them? Or are they going to get kind of pulled apart? And then we'll be like, right, okay, well, as good as they are, they are just kind of like another top six side. Um, so it'd be, I think, I think, I think, although no one really expects him to beat Bayern, I think it'll be a really interesting test because with all due respect to Mainz and RB Leipzig, I think this could be the first genuine test they've had this season. Yeah, and obviously, like this is the next question. Obviously, match day five against Bayern and the Alten first arrive will be the second real test of the early season, as you said. Uh, what do they need to address depth wise? Is the the add on question here? I mean, that's a very good question, right? Mm. When you look at the squad, where do you think there's any holes? I'm not actually sure. There are a huge amount of holes. Yeah. They could, I think, they could definitely use a few more attacking players. Um, you know, if you kind of look through the squad depth, they've only got a number of kind of wide players. I know they tend to play a far more direct system, um, and they have obviously, you know, a perfectly good roster of forward players uh, or kind of bona fide strikers. But I actually think they've done a really good job of bringing in a lot of players this summer. Um, mm. They've obviously had to sell a number, but you know, they've also replaced most of those players and then some. So. There's, there's no real glaring holes in this team, in my opinion, which is obviously why they've done so well. Um, not only in terms of like performances from match day to match day, but in terms of just building a squad. Um, I just kind of look through that team and I think it's actually pretty solid, to be perfectly honest with you. I certainly wouldn't be sitting here worried about them, thinking yeah. they really have to go out and buy someone in the next couple of days. So yeah, Stefan, uh, that gets us... Well, the, the next game that you want to discuss, and this is Borussia Dortmund, and... Um, we figured this could be a potentially stumbling block for them, right? Hmm. Um, a game that I tipped, they would maybe uh, drop two points. They did not, um, which I guess in the prediction game is good news for you, catching up <laughs> with me. Um, I think, although I have I have a three-pointer this week. I think, so. I think you are still in front. I made a few mistakes, I think. <laughs> I guess we'll see when the, the new list comes out, but... Um, I mean, this is such a this is such a loaded question that comes in from Dan Connor. Um, curious, what your opinion uh, on Dortmund's issues? Is it a lack of tactics or proper coaching? Lack of quality on the pitch? I like Terzic, but I worry he's another coach not on the level that Dortmund should require. I'd hope they would try for Pochettino back when he re- when replacing Favre. Um, is it a lack of tactics? Stefan, what do you think? I mean, 
the tactics seem a little shallow at times. Hmm. It's it's a weird one because I I'm probably inclined to agree uh, with Dan in terms of the tactics because when you watch, mm. I mean, this obviously was made abundantly clear last weekend against Werder Bremen, um, and you know you could kind of chalk up that result to a number of things, but having now kind of chewed over it for more than a week now. I think a lot of it may have came down to the fact that Terzic, after Dortmund surprisingly went two goals in front, decided to kind of flip his entire defensive line. He brought in Sula. Uh, I think he brought another defender. And that just gave Werder Bremen all the impetus. And while bringing on defenders when you're 2-0 up seems like a lot of sense, it doesn't strike me as something that the top coaches would do. It's not something that Pep would do. It's not something that Nagelsmann would do, etc. Because then you're giving up possession, you're giving up space on the pitch. And mm. that's little things like that worry me um, because it does scream to me like a head coach who lacks experience. And, you know, that performance against Hertha was absolutely fine. You know, although they only had a one goal lead in it, they had a number of chances to kind of bag a couple of more goals. Um we saw Modesta get a goal, which would be a big bonus for Dortmund fans because he hasn't really fitted in. But when you look at the way Dortmund are passing, the way that the players are lining up every week, the way that their average positions are from one game to the next, it doesn't really strike me as a team who have any idea what they're doing and are trying to implement a system in place. There's not, you know, to draw on our comparison to Gladbach, um, they have a very clear system in place. And while Bayern obviously really condense them into basically their own box for the whole game. If you actually look at the three games they played before that, it's basically the same system in each game and more or less they've got those opponents playing the way that they want to play. I don't get that impression from Dortmund under mm. Terzic. Now, there's obviously a huge amount of injuries that they have to concern with. What happened with Sebastian Haller is something that would you know, completely floor any team. Um, yeah. And whether Modesto is the right guy to bring in for that, I'm not quite sure because, you know, I think even in his heyday at Cologne, he was a player that often went missing in big games. Uh, or not, not just missing big games, but missing in games. He's not he's not really a target man. He's actually more of a poacher, I think. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure he's actually a similar player to Sebastian Haller. But, you know, I guess Dortmund just have a transition season in place. They have to kind of just keep grinding out results and then just see where it lands them in the end of the season. But... I completely agree with the with the, the with Dan is in his in his questions, and he kind of hoped that you know Pochettino may have been brought in to replace Favre once upon a time. Um, that is the kind of head coach that they should be aspiring to. We've talked about this in recent podcasts as well. Yeah. Like if you if you're someone like Jude Bellingham, and you know maybe you have ambitions to go and play for a bigger club one day, but you still want to win something at Dortmund, you're probably wondering. Well, if these guys keep bringing in these head coaches who have come from a mid-table in England, uh, mid-table in mid-table in Germany, or Switzerland or Austria, why? What? What? What makes Jude Bellingham need to sit up and pay attention to that person? What? 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 What impetus gives these kind of young players with so much potential? Why? Why would they pay attention to a head coach who's, who hasn't won these things, who hasn't played at those levels? If you bring in someone like Pochettino, then you know. 
these players suddenly sit up and think, right, this guy knows, knows how to win things. He's played in the mm. Champions League or he's coaching the Champions League, etc., etc. So I know Terzic has been brought in because of obviously his man management skills. Maybe he will develop into an outstanding head coach. He could be the next Jurgen Klopp, but what Dortmund have done near enough since Klopp left, um, with perhaps the exception of Tuchel, is bringing pretty average mid-table head coaches and... Yeah. As a result, those head coaches have actually brought Dortmund down to their level rather than the other way around. And Terzic could quite easily be another one of those head coaches. It feels like he's learning on the job hmm. with Terzic. And, you know, you're the second biggest team in Germany, the second biggest club in Germany. And you are getting essentially uh, shooed in into this position. Um, where you expected to, I mean, this is the expectation and some people may laugh about this, but the expectation is to ultimately dethrone Bayern Munich. Hmm. And you learning on the job how to do that is an extremely difficult thing to do. And I, I'm i not sure Pochettino is, is the answer for Borussia Dortmund. Um, you know, I can't really, don't know if he is, going to ever show up uh, and work at um, at Brackel, you know, the Dortmund training center. And, um, you know, Dortmund is a very industrial, industrial city. But at the same time, we see what Jose Mourinho is doing in, at Roma, right? Hmm. And um, he was a coach who I think would have actually quite happily taken the job before he went to Roma. Yeah. I mean, yeah, could you imagine Mourinho with this team at this Dortmund yeah. side? It would be incredible. And it'd be a good story for the league. Yeah, exactly. Right. And what, say what you want about Mourinho, but he's obviously building something at Roma. And perhaps most importantly, he has a stream of very good players um, mm-hmm. that want to move there and play for him. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. I think it's a, it's like it's a very good question. I'm not sure it's really <laughs> it maybe it's a little mean to talk about it after they've picked up a kind of grizzled win against Hertha Berlin. That was easily or that could have easily been a potential banana skin, but you know, there's still huge question marks over his Dortmund side. I've seen I've had Dortmund fans get in touch with me because I mean I think after the last podcast I went really hard on them and I did have a few Dortmund fans reach out to me on Twitter and say, and I'm, not, I'm really not making this up. I really did. About three, two or three of them reach out and say, no, listen, what you said was absolutely spot on. That's exactly how I feel. And, you know, kind of bouncing back and doing a 1-0 and getting a 1-0 win over Hertha is one thing. But you look at that list of fixtures that they've got coming up. They've got Hoffenheim at home, uh, you know, a decent Hoffenheim side who've picked up some decent scalps already this season. Then they've got the Champions League against Copenhagen, which at home, which is undoubtedly a must-win game. If they if they get off to this Champions yeah. League group without picking up all three points in that game, it's going to be a nightmare. And then they come home to an away away clash against RB Leipzig, and then they play Man City. Then they have the derby against Schalke. So you've got what six games, five games there, which will probably let us know whether Terzic has something planned for this Dortmund side and whether it's working or if you know this this club are just still going in circles and I'm absolutely fascinated to see what happens 
I think that Champions League game is going to be actually quite important. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to do something on that this week um, as the newsletter, so I don't want to give away too much. But one thing that I find really interesting about this draw is that the four out of five Bundesliga teams have very manageable groups. And the fifth one is Bayern Munich, who are in the group of death, but they're Bayern Munich, so should probably be fine. Um, but I also see in every single one of those groups a banana skin that could potentially derail the entire Champions League campaign. And uh, I think for Dortmund, Copenhagen is probably that banana skin. Yeah, absolutely. And right. it's, obvious, it's also a competition which I think Dortmund have actually really underperformed. And I had a big kind of um, debate with the Dortmund fan about this and he made some very good points said look when we have gone out we've gone out against some either finalists or potential winners which is a fair point but yeah. a lot of that comes down to the fact those they end up getting these teams in the last 16 for example because they don't do well enough in their group if at all so um, aside from the odd performance against Manchester City a few seasons ago Dortmund haven't really stood up and been counted in the Champions League so um I don't know, but it's, it's it's really interesting what happens what's going to happen with Dortmund. I think they've been kind of they totally went under the radar this weekend because of what Gladbach did. Um, yeah. I think, um, I think Dortmund fans were quite happy to pick up a boring one 0 win. Um, but yeah, there's still so much to see see what happens with this team. And there's a lot of Dortmund fans that are saying, "Oh, look, we're picking up one 0 wins. This is like a real sign of us being on the right path." Um, the sort of thing that Bayern Munich do, right? When they were champions, that um, they would be like, okay, well, this was a boring 1-0 win. And they did this already this season as well. But I mean, that you also have to remember that Bremen happened. So, you know, mm. <laughs> you can point at all the 1-0 wins as much as you want, but you also gave away a 2-0 lead in the in the last three, four, four or five minutes of a game. Uh, you know, I think that's that's just it. So I don't know if we actually did a good job answering this question. <laughs> um, I, I think we're, we're still trying to really figure this part out ourselves. It's probably the best way to, to answer this, Dan. Hmm. Um, and it's something that we're still going to guess and going to keep an eye on. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, the final question. How will Stuttgart replace Sasha Kalajdzic? They seem to be happy to let him go. I think happy is not the way I would describe the departure of Sasha Kalajdzic. Hmm. When you read what happened, um, he didn't play this weekend, right? Hmm. Um, his request to not play, um, the club was quite unhappy about that. Um they seem to be getting what what they wanted. Uh, you know, it's what did Vincent Tart say? His agent knows what's demanded. And um, it now looks that that deal is, is crossing the lines uh, for, for 18 million plus add-ons that probably going to sum up to um, Stuttgart's demand of 25 million euros, which is his market value. Um so I don't think they're happy about his departure. I think it's expected, but not happy. Mm. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 what you would expect to get for that kind of player who has what less than twelve months left in his contract. It's yeah. it's a pretty bog standard rate. Um, I still think, considering how well he does for Stuttgart, they may have been well. They may have done. They, sh- they really should have sold him last summer. I guess obviously there's still concerns over his injuries and stuff. And I have yeah. heard from people that that's maybe why someone like Dortmund didn't go for him because he still has. He's not really out of the woods yet with that just yet. But or Bayern, yeah, where he was also heavily linked, and they they did have that. I mean. This is public knowledge. We saw the agent drive into the garage at the Sebener Straße. We know they met. Hmm. Um, but they also didn't go for him. Yeah, yeah. So it's having said all that, I still wonder if it would have been worth Stuttgart keeping him for one season and just letting him go for free just because of how valuable he is to them. And the mm-hmm. fact that Joshua Zerksi, who would have probably been a perfect replacement, now looks like yeah. to head off to Bologna. Mm-hmm. Um He's just he's, he does strike me as a very difficult player to replace. Um, I think he's a great player. I think he'd do really well at Wolves. Um, but from a obviously from a point of view of Stuttgart, you have to kind of wonder what they do at the weekend. Mm. They actually looked okay without him. Having said all that, they've obviously played Salas up front as a kind of false number nine, and I actually thought he did a decent job. To be honest and with Luka you, and Pfeiffer. Who's got sent off? Yeah, exactly. Well, obviously, before yeah. all that happened. Um, so, you know, they, I'm sure they'll be fine, but there are rumors that Borna Sosa is leaving as well. And if those two players leave the club, you have to really be worried about what, what what's left for them and where they'll end mm-hmm. up this season, in my opinion, because that's two of the possibly their two most important, almost attacking players. So, yeah. you'd kind of hope that Salas can kind of get back to form and show the kind of form that he did a couple of seasons ago. Um, but I don't know. It's 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 a really tricky one. If you're asking me how do they replace them, I'm really not quite sure. Someone like Alex uh, Alexander Sorloff would have been a good a good um, step mm-hmm. in, I thought. But obviously, he's been under a lot of interest. He's now ended up at Real Sociedad, which is perhaps more appealing to him at this point than a team like on Stuttgart. On loan again, too, which is interesting. Sorry, on loan again, too. Yeah, to Real yeah. Sociedad, right? Yeah, so. It's 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 a very tricky one. I don't know who they replace him with, to be perfectly honest with you. Um yeah. they've been linked with a number of players, they've been linked with Jabalink or sorry, ya- Yaramchuk from Benfica, Roman Yaramchuk, the center forward. Oh, that'd be a great signing. Berisha from Galatasaray is one or one. Yeah. Sorry, from Fenerbahce, my apologies. Um he was good in Salzburg but has struggled in Turkey. Yeah. So we'll just kinda have to wait and see if they can bring anyone in, but Long story short, I think they will struggle without him, and they'll struggle even more uh, without Sosa. I think those those two players outside that team really pushes them down three or four positions in league table. Come they? Yeah, I think they they did sign Luca Pfeiffer, um, sort of as a hopeful, um, hoping that he could maybe fit that kind of profile. He's also very tall, not quite. He's not two meters tall, but a meter ninety six, hmm. uh, so it's just above six five. Um, and I think he they were kind of hoping that he could maybe fit that profile. And then he comes in from Midtjylland. He was on loan at Darmstadt last year, where he he did actually quite well in the second division. But we all know the jump from the second division to the Bundesliga can be a difficult one, right? There's there's countless other tall center forwards that have done. Tirode comes to mind, right? 
done really well in Bundesliga too, but never, ever, ever made the transition to the first division. Um, Thiago Thomas, I, I, I can see them now make that deal permanent, use that money and um, sign him, right? They have they have an op- option to buy for 15 million mm. um, from Sporting when he, he's he's extremely talented. So I can see him, see them use the money, but he's such a different profile. Uh, he's only six feet tall, um, very different striker. They did sign this Colombian guy, Juan Jose Perea from, from Greece. Uh, from past Giannini. Um, again, this this mm. is a prospect. You, you just don't know how it's going to work out. And so that brings us to Mergat Berisha, who's um, a German, uh, former German U21 national team player. Um, I guess we will have to see, have to see how he does um, if he comes in and if they can find a deal with, with Fenerbahce or if there's someone else Hmm. Um, I guess two hectic days coming up in Stuttgart. Yeah. It's going to be an exciting transfer window. Yeah, it is. Um, one final one, one final thought I had uh, before we leave. Um, this this Bremen-Frankfurt game, Stefan. Hmm. <laughs> Such a huge contrast to what happened in the previous game between Köln and Stuttgart. Um, Götze scores his first goal hmm. um, in in the Bundesliga. Um, I thought the um, what's his name, Kolo Muani, looked really good uh, for them. Um, but the big story, of course, is Kamada, Daichi Kamada, hmm. who has personally terms agreed with Benfica. Looks hmm. like Frankfurt are putting their foot down on this one, and it's actually Kevin Trapp who's told the media that Daishi Kamada is going nowhere. And I think Kevin Trapp earned that sort of authority after turning down Manchester United. So has he just kind of, is, is, is he kind of the Bundesliga's version of Kylian Mbappe now? He's signed a yeah. new deal and he's now like the de facto sporting director of Frankfurt. It sounded so like it. <laughs> he now comes out and decides who gets to stay and who gets to go. Um yeah, I was quite surprised by the Kamada news, I must admit, um, just because following on from Kostic, following on from Hinteregger, I know Hinteregger retired rather than joining our club, but he's still a huge player for them last season. Um, you know, that's kind of like, you add, um, obviously you add Kamada to that, and that's kind of basically the spine of the team last year. Um, so it's really tricky. I mean, if he stays, that's great. Um, but then I did kind of talk it through myself on Twitter the other day, and I kind of said, well, you know, maybe this is the best time to move on to these players because they've now achieved all that they can achieve at Frankfurt mm-hmm. in terms of winning the Europa League. So maybe you cash in and you start a whole new team. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. If, I mean, if Kevin Trump has said it's not happening, then I guess it, it won't happen. Who's to, who's to question him? But... Um, I don't know. I I, I kind of I, I went from thinking, oh, this is terrible. It's such a shame to see this team getting pulled apart to thinking, well, actually, maybe that's the healthiest way to deal with it. Um, I was quite surprised at the result, to be honest with you. Um, I kind of had that down for a Werder Bremen kind of surprise win just because it, it, it kind of played out the way I thought it would play out in the sense that, you know, from the first kind of four match days we've seen Bremen, they can score goals for fun, but they can't seem to defend them either. That's the only issue. Um, and obviously Frankfurt kind of pulled them apart. Goetze got a great goal from outside the box, but 
you know, despite that defeat, I still think if I was a Bremen fan, I'd be probably thinking, well, maybe we should have won that game. But it's a lot more encouraging than, you know, losing 1-0 or losing 2-0 and not creating chances. So yeah. I think, you know, I think, uh, I still think Bremen are going to be okay, actually. And I'm, I was quite surprised by that Frankfurt result. But it's good that they managed to pick up some sort of form before the Champions League group stages. Yeah. Um, and Frankfurt actually too got a pretty good Champions League group. Um, helps winning the comp- the Europa League, right? You see that as a top spot. So um, I actually thought, and again, I'm going to cover this in depth, but it's it's a doable group for them. Um, and I, I also want to include here what Kevin Trapp actually said. Um, I told him he's not going to leave. No idea what's going on. We are playing this year in the Champions League and uh, we want to improve in the Bundesliga. That's why we have to be careful not to sell every player. Well, there you go. That should put a put the Kamada to Benfica story to rest. Sporting director Kevin Trapp says no. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a weird thing to say. I told him he's not leaving. Like, <laughs> Do we have to phone the police? Does per... <laughs> Tied Kamada to a post or something outside the stadium. Well, but I, I, you know, here's 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 how I feel about this. Um, Kevin Trapp earned that authority hmm. by essentially turning down Manchester United. Hmm. Now, of course, the, the, the problem is that Daishi Kamada, and I'm looked this up just now on Transfermarkt. Um, He's out of contract June 30th, 2023. And he has a market value of 22 million euros. So I don't know. Tricky one. If you're Frankfurt, maybe you have to do it. Mm. Yeah. So like I said, I think there's, I, like I said, I, th- I think there's logic in selling him. Like I think there's logic in mm. selling Kostic, but it just depends where they think they have the players to replace them. The fact that Mario Goats is there, and the fact that he's now yeah. playing through the middle as a kind of attacking midfielder makes me think maybe it is a good time to sell Kamada, um, since they've kind of been stepping on each other's toes for much of the season. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. We'll just, we'll just, I guess we'll just have to kind of wait and see what happens. Um, but yeah. I'm still a wee bit concerned about Frankfurt. I think they're going through a really big transition this season. Um, and with the Champions League on top of that, I do kind of worry if there's going to be a huge amount of pressure on them. Uh, or not pressure, but like... Um, most of words, um, a lot of weight put on that squad because of the extra, mm. extra fixtures. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyways, but um, that's all the topics. So most of the listener questions plus um, a little bit of extra. Um, if we didn't answer your question, don't worry, we're going to do this again. So keep them up, keep them firing our way. Really appreciate all the amazing questions that we get every week on all our articles. Um, the feedback that we've been getting on the newsletter has been insane. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't signed up for it yet, um, you can quite easily. There's a link in in the description of this podcast. Um, and we'll, you will get tons and tons of cool content, Bundesliga content. Um, and anything else you want to add to this, Stefan? Uh, no, not really. Um... So I will be away next week, I should probably say, because I'll also be on my honeymoon. Um, but we do have uh, stuff lined up and people lined up to take my place. Yes. And they are very, very good replacements. So 
hopefully no one will be too disappointed. In fact, some people might even be quite relieved. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yes, yeah, so I will just say best of luck with that, Manu. And uh, for most people who don't subscribe to the Substack, I guess I'll see you all in two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, good luck with the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'll uh, I'll take that in the spirit. It probably wasn't intended. <laughs> Someone who's already gotten married, it's quite easy. The, the the actual ceremony part is quite easy. A monkey could do it. It's the the rest of it that's not that hard, not that uh, not that easy. The, the stuff that comes after, but um, you'll be fine. <laughs> uh, anyways, as always, the show is brought to you by Bet Online. We'll be back with more content later this week. Until then, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.